And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. This is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Uh, if you didn't know, like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Here we are, episode 280 of the show. And boy, oh boy, do we have news for you. I actually uh, waited to, I was ready to record this episode hours ago. And then I realized that there was going to be some Xbox news coming out. And I said, oh, baby, I got to talk about that Xbox news. 3 p.m. Oh, man, they're going to do a live podcast. And then it was truly nothing. It was just four games are being released. <sighs> From X, the uh, four exclusive Xbox games are being released on other platforms, I believe, PlayStation 5 and Switch. And it's just part of their Xbox Everywhere thing where they just want to have Xbox branded games. Which makes sense. Like, they don't want to, like, it, it wasn't the games that you uh, thought. Like, people people were expecting it was going to be Halo and Gears. Which, no, it wouldn't make sense. Then why buy an Xbox at that point? Although, I mean, but you can play those games on PC. Just like you could play God of War 1, uh, the, the 2018 edition, and uh, the Spider-Man games on PC. Nobody wants that. Oh, I just, I'm a couple of minutes ahead of my uh, of, of schedule here, and my tasks just told me to record Constitutionals. It's fantastic. I love being ahead of time. All right, let's get into business. This first one comes from... Mariella Moon over at Engadget, Amazon Prime Video won't offer Dolby Vision and Atmos in its ad-supported plan. A couple of months ago, Amazon announced that Prime Video was going to be getting an ad-supported plan. You're going to be automatically dropped into it if you do not opt into paying the extra $3 for ad-free, which was what Prime Video was before. People are very mad because January 29th, they started inserting ads. I watched the first episode of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And those ads were there. I think I got like, were there ad breaks in the middle of the show? I don't remember. I do remember it was like 30 seconds or 40 seconds at the top. And that's how it starts. Let me tell you, there's, once, we, once, we, once ads are decided to be put into something, we're going to get more and more of them. I, I suspect we're going to get, it's a, fifth, it's a 40, 50 minute show. I suspect we're going to get at least two, three minutes of worth of ads. Peacock's ads have gotten worse. That's the price I pay for $20 a year. They let me have that deal again. I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm going to cancel Peacock. And then uh, they were like, hey, Chad, about $20 more. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> it's worth it. People are suing over this. People are so mad they're suing, which is, you know, like a class action lawsuit, which I think. Usually I think those are stupid. Then I don't know if it helps me in the long run. <laughs> so these limited advertisements happen if you don't pay that $3 fee. And now they're taking away Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos, which are the the best sound and the best vision. Forbes also found that ad-free accounts still have access to HDR10+, which is kind of like Dolby Vision, but not really. It's, it's, a, it's a couple of steps lower, if not comparable. It's a stupid move. It's a stupid decision, and it's just an... For for them, they make they try to make this three dollars 
seem like it's a viable value. Where whereas again, I could turn on Peacock and watch as the new episode of SVU and be completely fine with having ads in the middle of it. With having sixty second ads, not these ninety second and sometimes one hundred and twenty second ads. But the but the ad break pot happens. And then I just go, okay, well, there's an ad. And I get on my phone or I get on the iPad or I go on the Steam Deck and pretend to, <laughs> am I going to play this game? <laughs> That's all the Steam Deck and Switch are to me. It's just, <laughs> am I going to play this game? I'm just poking around. Mm, nah, not really. <laughs> At least on Xbox and PlayStation, I'm going, okay, I'm going to play um, uh, As Dusk Falls or I'm going to play Persona 5 Royal, which I'm still chipping away at. I Persona 5 Royal is... I hate listing things in the top five of my video games, and uh, and I'm still chipping away at it because I don't want it to end. But then I know I'm going to restart it as soon. As, I'm going to do New Game Plus as soon as I uh, finish it. I'll take some time off though. I'm in that fourth semester though. Mm. I can't wait to get to Valentine's Day. I'm I'm at the last boss. I just need to go ahead and do it. <laughs> okay, I'll stop talking. Subscribers are not happy, and the way that they are putting this behind. Uh, Amazon is putting this is is just trying to make this value part proposition of the Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos, taking and putting it inside of the uh, the ad free plan is just kind is just astoundingly such a bad idea, and it's only going to get them in trouble. But the thing is, unless people are actually paying for the three dollar thing, Amazon's not or or unless people don't pay for the three dollar thing, Amazon's not going to care. Because some people might just opt in and go, hey, I'm paying $15 a month, or I've already paid the 160 or 139 I think, a year. I think it might have gone up. But I'm paying the however much a year, I might as well just do this $3 so I don't, so I don't have anything, I don't have to watch ads or anything. Because people really don't like ads. Versus the Tubies, the Plutos, the Peacocks. Tubi and Pluto are free. But the Peacock of it all, too. I hate saying that, of it all. At the same token, it's very funny. I'm, this is not part of the, the stories I want to talk about, but Max, HBO Max, Max is is uh, doing Dolby Vision for live sports and starting this weekend on the on the Bleacher Report add-on uh, for the uh, NBA All Star Weekend. Okay, now it's moving on. This comes from Variety, written by Brian Steinberg. John Stewart, Rachel Maddow test Monday model. To boost talk TV. As you'll hear, as you probably know, as you've probably seen, uh, John Stewart returned to The Daily Show for uh, Monday's episode, and he will be doing so for the rest of the year, rest of the election year. And we also know that Rachel Maddow reduced her workload, at least at MSNBC, to one night a week. I think she was like three nights, three or four nights before, but now she's doing one night a week. Jen Psaki who used to work for Biden as her pre- as the press secretary is also doing uh, a Monday night show. Also, I think she works Saturday to Monday, or I think her show is Saturday to Monday. I'm not entirely sure, but Steinberg posits, posits this and a medium best known for offering viewers the same hosts in the same slots, five nights a week. Can TV networks that thrive on news and talk programs generate new attention and advertising dollars by doling them out less frequently? I think the easiest answer to that question is yes. We're now in an age of podcasting where anybody can have a voice. 
And podcasting video clips, audio clips, can, can make giant news. But within that cycle, so can broadcast news. And cable news, for that matter. <laughs> Should have said it, cable news first. And broadcast news, for that matter. Where we can still get excellent reporting one night a week. And also, I've worked on shows, on CNN shows, that were daily or three days a week uh, or two days a week for uh, four to six to seven hours sometimes. When there's breaking news, oh, baby, you keep working. (laughs) It's like Saturday. News breaks at 1 p.m. No, no, no. News breaks at 11 the show starts at one. They're like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna ha- we're gonna have you come in at eleven at ten thirty instead because news is breaking because we're doing an eleven show. Be there. Are you on campus? Oh boy, I do miss it though. I, not the part where I'm working on uh, weekends. And I'm there. I'm in the middle of a show for seven hours straight." And, and, and but but what I'm getting at is it's all very possible to have them make a better version of the show one night a week. Not for the Daily Show. I think the Daily Show is still going to remain what it is, even without Stewart. I think <laughs> I think it was a better show. What did I mean? What did what did you what, what did the Reddit atheists <laughs> think that was going to happen? It was going to come back and be. I mean, the show did get more viewers, but I mean, it was still John Stewart, and it was a modern day John Stewart. It was, you're not going to get the same guy who was hosting the show before Trevor Noah came. That's not, it's not a knock on him. It's just, he's a different guy right now. In his lifetime, in our lifetimes. And as for Rachel Maddow and Jen Psaki, the likes of them, it is very possible that these shows could get bigger by having fewer shows a week. I mean, Rachel's been doing this for a couple of months now. It feels like a year. But she's been doing it for a while now. And now, I mean, I think she has a podcast. It allows her to write books. allows her to do other things. But when you have this show, look at Last Week Tonight. I'm not saying that that's the best version of Late Night because we still need daily late night shows. We still need, as much as I hate to say it, daily basic cable news shows. We still need you know, CNN, Fox, and MSNBC to do their thing, although not 24 hours. I I don't think we need to have news 24 hours a day because that's how, because that's, it works for them. PBS NewsHour still works like that. Five days a week, or uh, five days a week and then two weekend shows. And you know what? Those shows are much better. PBS NewsHour is a much better program than any news show that's ever that's that's airing currently right now. And then also look at um, NBC News, Nightly News, and CBS uh, Night, Nightly News. I don't know what that's called. But the CBS and NBC and ABC, I guess, because I, I don't watch that. But those Nightly News programs are still very good because they're not, they're not pumping out the same old topics over and over and over again they're not scraping for that bot for that barrel for that for that bottom of the barrel it doesn't it doesn't make sense for them to do that 
you're going to hear the same story. You're going to hear about the same news. You're going to hear about the same, uh, unfortunately, shootings. You're going to hear about the same, uh, unfortunately, political rallies. But perhaps their people have different takes on it. Perhaps they can get out all the details because they're only doing a seven-minute story, whereas CNN or Fox or MSNBC have been talking about it all day long, and they're just regurgitating the same thing. By uh, Steinberg writes, the task is a difficult one. By creating a Monday-only time sl- talent slot, both networks have created, they're talking about uh, uh, Comedy Central and MSNBC, what are essentially three different programs they must promote, market, and book. That's true. That And that, that becomes much more difficult for them. In terms of Viacom and Paramount and CBS and Comedy Central, it's easy for them because Jon Stewart just reels in, well, like, as I said, he brought in 1.23 million extra viewers. This is the highest ratings in a long time. So he'll bring in his old fans. And the new ones that came from him doing something on Apple TV or uh, some idiots who like him because he's friends with Dave Chappelle. But for Jen and for Rachel Maddow, those the viewers that typically would watch four nights a week now probably won't watch. They'll be like, okay, well, Rachel's show was on Monday. Now that frees up my Tuesday to watch last night's Bachelor or uh, uh, to catch up on um, uh, 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 I can't think of a show. <laughs> it's, too, it's too much. It's too much <laughs> to watch a movie. Oh, thank God. Oh, geez. <laughs> but that doesn't mean people will, st- again, that doesn't mean people will stick around. I thought the blanket on the couch. If you're watching the video, there's there's a, a gray thing on the couch. I thought it was the dog. It is the blanket. But that doesn't mean that people will um, be sticking around. The blanket, I have one blanket. But that doesn't mean people will be sticking around from from Jon Stewart. They could just be Jon Stewart friends, friends, fans, and, ju- and, and want to watch uh, and not want to watch, you know, who else is the, the correspondents hosting the rest of the week. I don't know why they wouldn't, because those correspondents are there for a reason. They're they're good at their jobs. They're funny. Maddow and Saki make occasional appearances outside of the programs. Typically, when a big headline rides in, in the current election cycle, MSNBC offers a different sort of analysis programming. In prime time, that makes uses of multiple contributors. CNN does the same thing, and I think Fox does too. The lack of original episodes has taken a toll on the Daily Show. Advertisers trimmed their support in 2023, according to Vivix, a tracker of ad outlays. Daily Show generated nearly 20.2. We don't care about this. That doesn't matter. There are some signs that the Monday strategy can pay off a little. In 2023, advertisers increased their spending on MSNBC's Monday broadcast of the Rachel Maddow Show, according to data from ad tracking company iSpot. They had an 11.6 increase from uh, percent increase from 4.9 uh, for, to 4.9 million from 4.4. MSNBC has also seen new ad dollars committed to its Monday 8 p.m. time slot Monday night, which is good. That's uh, anchored by Chris Hayes. Mondays could be important. Mondays could be important moving forward. 
And in fact, you can make every other uh, day important as well by not relying on the same old news strategy releases over and over and over again. Because people could want to watch Wolf Blitzer, but not five days a week. Isn't Anderson Cooper, like some people work like Wednesday to Sunday. Strange hours. Let's just, Fox and MSNBC and CNN should all sign a letter and they should all have regular hours. Nobody wants to watch overnights. They should have international programming and domestic programming. No overnights. Mostly because us workers. And also nobody wants 24-hour news. Next up, this comes from Alex Weprin at The Hollywood Reporter. Disney's epic deal reignites Hollywood love affair with video games. As Bob Iger bets $1.5 billion on a Fortnite investment that can re-energize his flagship's franchises, other major studios are giving a new look at gaming divisions that have become IP-centric goldmines. Last year, we saw the release of a new Avatar game from Ubisoft. Ubisoft, yes, whatever. It's an open-world game, and it doesn't reinvent what that game, what a Ubisoft game could be, but it definitely does do some interesting things. So interesting that's on my wish list. Gaming is a giant industry, as we know, and it will continue to be so in the next couple of decades, especially as we move to, if you look at uh, PlayStation, just because I, I think the, I think Sony said the PlayStation five has missed its sales mark even though it's the leader in console sales right now. Xbox is trying to get everywhere. You can get Xbox Game Pass on your new LG or Samsung TV without buying an Xbox. You can just download the app and then subscribe to Game Pass. You can play it on your phone. You can uh, uh, take a Switch anywhere. The Steam Deck has made... It wasn't the first, but it has made the mini PC the handheld PC, a viable option and very popular. There's a conclusion that Iger reached. We have to be there in terms of gaming, and we have to be there as soon as we possibly can in a very compelling way. No, he said that, noting that historically Disney has simply licensed its IP outside to outside game studios. That, there's one game that um, Disney Dream... Dream Valley, Dream Dreamlight Valley. It was free for a little bit, and now it's, I guess, a paid game. But it's where you can make your character, and you you live in this world. God, I can just Google it. Dreamlight Valley. Yeah, Disney Dreamlight Valley. I'm not good at math, but I know this game. I played once to get some an Xbox achievement uh, and pass a mission on my uh, Xbox points and and get some points and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> but it's where it's like it's kind of like an RPG where you go around and you're friends with Simba and Mike Wazowski and I name a woman Cruella Deville. <laughs> Who's the sexiest villain? Is it the octopus lady? Is it Cruella? I think it's um, Maleficent. <laughs> Some might say Scar. I say you're wrong. <laughs> The stunning data that led Disney's biggest bet to gaming ever, a $1.5 billion investment 
and Fortnite studio epic games run by Tim Sweeney and a promise to create a quote games and entertainment universe filled with Disney IP interoperable with Fortnite, which means we're going to, they're probably going to, we see sometimes uh Fortnite drops of playable characters of people we know, you know, you'll be like Charles Barkley, the weekend, whatever. And your and your skin is, is, is whomever that character is transformers. So we'll probably see more. We'll we'll probably see Wreck It Ralph, or we'll probably see uh, who else is a Disney character? Ariel. I couldn't. I had, what is going on with me today? <laughs> Look at but as Weapon writes, Warner Bros. Games has been struggling as of late, mostly because they're stupid. <laughs> And turning and turning games into loot box loot looter shooters. The release of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has not been good. The game has come out to okay criticism. Not good. Not horrible. Some bad. And the game before that came uh Gotham Knights. Both of these are uh Gotham Knights, I think, is Arkham Arkham Batman Arkham games adjacent. And then Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, is basically a spiritual sequel. But, but Gotham Knights came out to horrible reviews. And then Netflix is over here buying up studios. It re-released the Grand Theft Auto trilogy. It acquired it. It didn't buy those games, but it helped re-release the best versions of, those, of uh, GTA Vice City, GTA San Andreas, and GTA 3. The best versions of those games since they originally came out. There have been re-releases of those games that came out last year, and they weren't good on the modern consoles and on modern PC. And then uh, they were released on the um, uh, on Xbox Live and PlayStation uh, stores years before that. And even and those were mobile, those were the mobile remakes that came out for phones around the same time. So those weren't very good. So for the first time, we get a good Grand Theft Auto trilogy. And unfortunately, it's on your phone and iPad. <laughs> and I think it might maybe back as well. Because uh, uh, you can access the Apple Store. But even still, Netflix is buying, had to buy up a studio just to have Oxenfree and Oxenfree 2 and other made-for-Netflix games. Or even just acquire games that, that are a part of your uh, subscription for now. And that's going to take time. I guess. I mean, at some point, they're probably going to have to... They're going to probably start charging. Not have to. They're going to start charging. And then uh, we're going to be like, Ugh, do we really want to play Oxenfree 2 on our phones? Do I have to pay $5 a month for that on top of the $23 a month I already give them? Now, Warner Brothers did have a successful game. They had Hogwarts Legacy, and they will be releasing a new update later this year. They sold 20, 20, 22 million copies of that game, bringing in a billion dollars in revenue, which is nothing to scoff at, but okay, this is not scrolling. Disney had nothing to do with Spider-Man 2 because that's the Sony release. EA produces the Star Wars games. But Disney's now going to try to dip its toe in a little bit more. 
Maybe we'll see a, a Fortnite Disney. You know, we'll see a spinoff of that. Or uh, uh, Fortnite just released a couple of uh, three new modes, like a racing mode and a Lego mode and another mode that I cannot think of for the life of me. But maybe we'll see a mode with uh, Disney characters, strictly for Disney characters. Now that companies aren't going to be making, uh, company studios aren't going to be making a lot of shows and movies because we're going to be we're going to be seeing uh, that in a second. It is important for them to get out in front of this and start making. Um, it's di- diverging, di- diverging their diverge, divulse, dispersing, <laughs> spreading out their IPs to as many avenues as possible. You know, I was listening to Pearl Jam Radio on Sirius XM today because that is the kind of mood I'm in. I love Pearl Jam. And I think it would be, now Now, now that I'm talking about Disney making its, uh, di- di- dispersing, <laughs> spreading out its IP, I think it would be very fun. Because on, on, on Pearl Jam Radio and on U2X Radio, fans can host, and I'm sure on, on Radio Disney, fans can host, in Kids Bob Radio, <laughs> fans can host their own um, shows. Not shows. But they can be like guest DJs. It can be guest DJs, and you put in you put in five songs, and hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a I'm a Pearl Jam fan, and uh, here's five songs I think you should listen to, and it's like, uh, uh, uh once and uh, daughter and alive and even the flow. One more song, uh, lightning bolt. <laughs> that good? Thing? I think um, yeah, lightning bolt. I was gonna, I thought that was the name of an album. It is. <laughs> And that's all. And then you tell a story about why you like that or how it affects you or whatever. Disney should do that, but with their characters. Like, they should have Chris Dematopoulos come in and host as Mickey because he's the voice of Mickey. And you'd be like, oh, oh boy. my This is my favorite song from Little Mermaid. Third Little Mermaid reference today. A whole new world. <laughs> I love it. When she talks about spiggly spooks. <laughs> Sounds racist. This next one comes from Peter White. Peak TV is over. Number of original series falls for the first time in a decade as per Netflix. Now, every year for the past couple of years, John Landgraf, who is the head president of uh, uh, FX, has taken it upon himself and his company to count how many original scripted titles are out Every single year. And this is the first time in years that scripted titles have fallen. A significant margin, at least. There's a 12% drop from 2022 to 2023. 516 scripted titles were on air in 2023. Now, uh... Besides the 2020s COVID year, that's that's been a, the biggest drop. It's notably down this from 600 shows that aired in 2022, which itself was a rise seven percent before. It's been rising ever since streaming has become a thing. Buoyed by Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Peacock, Paramount Plus, the rest, Roku. We knew this drop was going to be coming, especially after the pandemic and especially after strikes. Shows were getting canceled left and right. God, I was trying to avoid seeing a thumbs up today. 
on the video. Mac, turn these off. I can figure it out, but I always forget. Landgraf speaking at the uh, TCA joked that he was, quote, finally correct when it comes to peak TV. He said it, that it proves that even a broken watch is right twice a day. He predicted there would be, uh, about last year, he predicted there would be a strong indication that there would be a decline. FX didn't break out the number of new shows in the first half of the year, as they previously have. The strikes were a part of it. FX's list includes original uh, English language scripted series, but does not include foreign language shows, kids titles, or short form content, and obviously doesn't include the plethora of unscripted shows, realities, reality series, or documentaries. It's got everything, though, from uh, Netflix to Apple, all those other services, BritBox, BET+, Acorn TV. In 2020, it was 4.93, but that made sense because you couldn't. They were holding on to shows and things. The last time it was below 300 was 2012, and before that, in 2002, it was 182. Now this comes from the Hollywood Reporter, written by Leslie Goldberg. FX's John Langraff declines to crown Netflix the winner of the streaming wars. He says his parent company, Disney is in it to win it as he weighs in on FX's 2024 lineup as well as the mayor. He said last year's Hollywood strikes undoubtedly played a role, but the decline in the volume of scripted series was likely underway before labor actions by writers and actors that brought production to a standstill. And he's correct. We saw, uh, Max was laying off people. What Warner was laying off people, and uh, uh, and now we're we're getting layoffs from Paramount across the board in television, the streaming as well. They're not going to be uh, pulling in any foreign shows, which I'm sure that even if they were financing those shows, that that would uh, not count. I don't know. He calls the change a realignment for the industry. He said, I can, I can forecast that in 2024, we'll see more year-on-year declines between this year and last year. They've been tracking these shows for 15 years. At one point, there were more than 60 networks, which is just an unsustainable as watching such under shows, and he's correct. We're seeing that with, uh, with networks like Paramount Plus. Not Paramount Plus, Paramount Network, excuse me, and Comedy Central. YouTube TV added uh, an extra Nickelodeon channel because we, we had like Nickelodeon, Nicktoons, Teen Nick, and another one, and it just popped up on my feed one day, and I went, and I went, why is this here? I know I think it might have been was Teen Nick originally on there? I don't know. I know Nickelodeon, and Nicktoons were on there, but it's hard to. The only reason to have that many channels, to have sixty channels is to sell ads and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what's on there. I mean, look at G4, G4 lasted <laughs> for years when all of its shows were canceled, save for attack of the show. And it was eking out crappy reality shows along with cheaters and cops. And then once a week at 7 PM <laughs> Eastern, 
you would get Attack of the Show. In an era in which Warner Bros. Discovery is licensing HBO shows to Netflix after previously trying to compete with the streaming giant, Landgraf was asked if he was worried the industry was making the same mistake and further building up the former uh, DVD by mail company. He says, and I quote, I hope we're not making the same mistake again. You don't want a one-dimensional ecosystem. You want a competition and balance. For Disney, I wouldn't say the streaming wars are over. They're far from over. We're in it to win it, and I'm bullish about Disney's future. And he's correct about that. Even though Netflix is the market leader, imagine if we saw um, uh, 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 Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Max, Paramount+, Plus, Peacock. We, what if we just saw them go away and Netflix became a $70 behemoth. It would be soul crushing for the industry and they would be paying, you know, the pennies to everybody that they paid to their, to their uh, workers and other things like that workers. And it's, you know, you don't want, you don't want PlayStation to be the, the number one, the only one. You, you like, you want, you want something to, to keep pushing. That's why, that's what drives Xbox to, want to put xbox everywhere well if they can't sell the hardware the same amount of hardware that sony is selling then they're going to start sell. then they're going to try to put it everywhere because that's where the inevitable future is android and you don't want everybody to have android you don't want everybody to have iphone you want options this is why it was so important for the european union to uh bring in the app store to to break down the rules of the app store uh even if it means that you know, uh, it, it's it's only in Europe, or the that Apple has to be a little, uh, have a little bit more scrutiny when it comes to what apps are available on the adjacent app stores that are on its device. I don't know if that's if that's happened yet, but we shall see. It's a, competition is important, and it should keep striving for it. On the other end of the spectrum, they have to start thinking about the audience. Not everybody's going to pay. The, the 23 dollars $25 a month for one streaming service. When the sports thing comes out from Warner Brothers and Disney and Fox, it's going to be a niche service, even if it's driving people away from cable or FUBU TV. FUBO. <laughs> FUBU TV, it's Damon Johns. It's just all Damon Johns. Damon Johns, 24-7. <laughs> He's got a cooking show. He's got a shoe show. He's got a show that uh, teaches you how to trim your goatee. <laughs> that was funny. It made me laugh. But all of this is difficult because they because they have to think about so many factors. The audience is not going to stick with this. Is like we're not the audience. Let me finish that thought. The audience is not going to stick with multiple streaming services at all times they're gonna they're gonna be bouncing around people aren't gonna stay with disney plus if they only want to watch andor andor season two should be called andor also (laughs) (sighs) people aren't gonna people aren't gonna stay with max if their shows are getting pulled off but if you license those shows to Netflix, then you, then you, then you'll or to other other properties, then you'll get those eyes on those other properties. You're still going to get that person's money. 
I hate that Westworld is off of uh, Max because I did not finish that show. I also hate that I don't have access to the Screeners app anymore, but it's not here or there. <laughs> but you can go to Tubi and watch that with ads and no 4K. You can watch Band of Brothers on Netflix. And hey, maybe that'll make you go, I miss the other HBO stuff. Let me subscribe to Max. You can watch Insecure on Netflix. You can watch uh, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home on um, Stars. Hey, I want to watch the other Spider-Man movies. Let me go to Disney+. Plus. As much as these companies want the single dollars, they're going to have to divest, diverge. Do cares. <laughs> That's the title. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it, these these companies are 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 they're gonna be with all these cancellations. They have to, they kind of have to focus on quality. They have to focus on quality more so than quantity. And Netflix is the real villain when it comes to that because they will pump out, that company will pump out truly any amount of shows. But now they're, I think they're going to be focusing on more on reality and documentary type things. Um, but we're going to be seeing more and more, or excuse me, less and less shows come. And I hope, hopefully that means that A, they're going to be paying people fair wages that I'm talking about above the line and below the line, above the line are the actors, below the line are the crew. And B, I hope it means we're going to get better product. And less, and, and I hope that also means that there's less of a chance of a show being canceled due to, you know, it's not blowing up on TikTok or something. Or any of those types of ratings. Because it it really stinks when there's a show that obviously a lot of people are watching, but just because it doesn't perform to Netflix's or whatever streamer standard, then they cancel it. Look at look at Since Eight before it got a, a the the Wachowski sisters show before they before that show was canceled. It was I I thought it was doing pretty. Well. I mean, people thought it was doing pretty well. It had a, had a decent base and it, people were talking about it online. And then the show was canceled, and I think in season after its second season dropped, and then. It took petitions and fights to get movies, to get that single movie, rather. Same thing for uh, Blind Spot? No, Timeless. Timeless on NBC. Luckily, that show landed after it, it was canceled in its third, second or third season. It landed a movie. What I'm saying is, let things end with movies. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Listen, if you like what you heard here, and you want to see? A, a, hold on, Chad. You're getting ready yourself. If you like what you heard here, head to the website cpluscomedy.com, where there are uh, there's. I'm talking to your favorite favorite people in the entertainment industry. Yesterday, as of this posting recording, yesterday I dropped an interview with the cast of Resident Alien, and baby, you want to know what that that cast sounds? Who who that cast is? <laughs> I'm going to get you that cast as soon as possible. That cast was, in fact, Sarah Tomko, Alice Wetterland, Elizabeth, uh, no, 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 Corey Reynolds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. 
Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Where, where is the, hold on. Oh God, this is so bad. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. Uh, cause that list did change. That cast was Corey Reynolds, Sarah Tomko, Alice Wetterland, Meredith Garretson, and Levy Feeler, Filer. And let me tell you that it was a great set of interviews. I'm not kidding. I, there was a point. I'm not going to say, it. I'm not going to say this part. Okay, hold on. There was a point last year when I was like, I'm not going to do Junkets anymore. I'm <laughs> C-plus comedy. I'm better than Junkets. <laughs> and then uh, and then I've just still been doing Junkets. It's whatever. Um, but I... Because Junkets junkets suck. You know, you're just... If you've ever, if you, if you ever seen a Junket, it's, it's, it's just... Unfortunately, it, it, it sucks for everybody. It sucks for the reporter because you don't get a lot of... Um, time with the talent and the talent's got to the answer first of all they have to sit either virtually or in person if you're in los An- in la uh, uh uh you know in in this black room and sit in front of a poster of whatever project you're working on or a, or a standee and then uh they have to do that for like three hours a day and have to answer the same questions how is it working with this person how is it working with this person oh you guys have fun on set that's why i I don't want to talk about my process for make, for for my questions. Let's just say I don't write anything down. <laughs> Let's just say that I uh, shotgun all the information I need, and then I just have a conversation because uh, that's how I have that. I mean, that's how I have my interviews. I don't I don't write anything down. Uh, if there's something important, then I'll I'll write down like a detail or something. But this one for Resident Alien for season three, the Alan Tudyk led show. Sci-Fi's Resident Alien, Basic Gable. It was just so loose. We we literally we sat down and people were talking over each other uh, in the in the press room. We were all having fun. People were commenting on each other's video backgrounds, which never happens. Usually these things are so like tight and everything. And uh, and then I got into the interviews and uh, if people were paired up, they're already talking to each other. They're like, yeah, so anyway, I went to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, let me finish your story. They're like, whoa, no, we could talk. And then we're just like shooting, shooting the stuff really. And it's great. It's fantastic. And then uh, I posted, <laughs> this is going to sound so mean. I post, so I posted my, my, this resident alien interview uh, to LinkedIn. And I use the hashtags. I'm trying to get the SEO out there. I'm trying to do better at this. The TikTok is bumping. I'm not kidding. The TikTok is bumping. And um, I I click on the I click on the the the, ha- the hashtag to see. Oh, okay. Let me see if if some of my contemporary not my takers my my the people that were in that press room are on here. And some of them are on LinkedIn. Post on LinkedIn. Some of them posted last week. Some of them posted the day before. But I posted the day that the the new season launched. And uh. And I and I and I look at the questions they ask, and it's again, it's those press questions. Uh, what's going to be different about season three? And and uh, you must be excited to see this new season drop. No, it's just I, I just love having fun. I just and it, I love thing when things are loose and we can we can just have a conversation because it really just opens things up. And and I know how it feels to be in those in those in those junkets as as talent. And uh, you know you don't want that. You don't want to be bored. So, anyway, Sarah Tomko, Corey Reynolds, Alice Wetterland, Meredith Garrison, Levy, Feeler, Filer, whatever, Resident Alien, check it out, youtube.com slash cpluscomedy, as well as cpluscomedy.com, where you can also check out uh, video versions, 
youtube.com slash a plus comedy of this show as well as the other podcast late night lately which is the late late night show show and linkedin logs which is the job podcast so uh be sure to check out those over there uh news time is coming back i promise i do have two episodes i need to edit and i promise i'll do them tomorrow uh you can follow us on social media tiktok twitter instagram facebook at c plus comedy me at chad black white Thank you for listening. Tell your friends and uh, throw us a like on uh, TikTok. Share the videos. Do all that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely trying over there now. Uh, and also reposting those videos on Instagram. <laughs> so those are the only two I really use. Uh, but I'm not scrolling through. Bye. Bye.